Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Do it! Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it! Make your dreams come true! Just do it! Some people dream of success while you're going to wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible. You should get to the point where anyone else would quit, and you're not going to stop there. No, what are you waiting for? Do it! Just do it! Yes, you can! Just do it! If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. All right. Um, that's one of my uh, favorite videos to just watch and laugh at. Um, my favorite part is when he goes like this. So, oh, there are, there are a lot of memes. There are a lot of memes from that one. That's kind of an oldie but a goodie as far as the Internet goes. Um, so, we started out with good old Shy. Um, talking about my, my friend Shy, um, and we're talking about doing things because around here we don't want to be sitters; we want to be doers. Somehow, the default the default position of Christianity went from this to this. God called us to be doers, so that's a little bit about what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, our youth group, we don't have any pictures of it here, but we, we have like four main objectives, and we have four main, like we call them, we call them directions that we go. How many of y'all remember them? Anybody remember the four directions that our youth group wants to go? What's the first one? Anybody know? Yeah, upward. What does it mean to go upward? It means to grow in your relationship with God. First thing we think that's important for you to do is that you connect to God, that you have a relationship with God. What's the next direction? Upward, then what? Inward. You're on it. Okay, inward. And inward, what does that have to do with? Anybody know? Just shout it out. This isn't school. You don't have to raise your hand. Do what? No, it's not to prepare yourself. That's the upward. That's your relationship with God. What's inward? Relationship with who? No. Relationship with your church family. We need to be focused inward and make sure everybody here is good and make sure everyone here is encouraged and make sure everyone here is loved. So we want you to connect with God. We want you to connect with your church family through Christ-like relationships. What's the next direction? Kaylee's like on it. Outward. What do you think? If inward is you love the people in your church, what do you think outward means? Everyone else, <laughs> like everyone who's not here, so it's like you could probably write some kind of equation, right? Not this equals this. So not here equals outside the church. So it's not just good enough to be focused inward. we got to be focused outward, and we want to connect with the mission of God. And what was the mission of God? The Son of Man came to seek and to save. Did you memorize that one? Yeah. Who was that back here that knew that? Stonewall. I'm impressed. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. So we are focused on reaching out to the final one, 
I was going to say, Kaylee, what's the final one? The final one is forward, and forward means that each of those three previous directions, we're always trying to find new ways to grow in that. You realize it, the, the way that we reach people in 2017 is a little bit different than the way they reached people in the 50s? In the 50s, they went like door-to-door knocking on, knocking, I almost said door-to-door knocking on people. They went, door, they went house-to-house knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. Now, you go knocking on from place to place, um, door-to-door on the wrong part of town or something, you may get knocked on. You may get knocked. You may get knocked out, right? So, so there are better ways, there are different ways that we reach people in 2017 and, uh, 20 and then in the 1950s. So we are always trying to find new ways to reach people. So those are the four directions, but starting tonight, we're doing this series, calling it Restart, because we want to push the restart button on refuel. We want to make sure we're doing a good job in all three of these directions. And the, the next, starting this week, the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about three tweaks that I believe we need to make. You know what I mean by tweak? It means like, you guys are, just, I wasn't going to break out the mirror yet, but you know when you're doing like, because... I was trying to get my hair grown out long, so one thing I've learned is long hair is a lot harder to take care of, right? I've got to use conditioner. Um, got to use the right kind of, like, stuff for my hair. And my hair is always, like, out of whack. Like, there's always, like, one hair that's not right, so I'm always having a tweak on my hair. You know, it's, I'm not, like, totally recombing it. I'm just making, like, a mi- some minor adjustments to make sure everything's looking good, make sure it's all good and hood up here. So there are three tweaks that I believe as a youth group we need to make on each of these three directions. And tonight, I want to talk about the first one, which is our relationship with God. So we're pushing reset on our directions, and tonight we're talking about upward. We're talking about our relationship with God. Can I tell you, I want to start out with some good news. We finished our 2016 fall season of TAG couple weeks ago before Christmas break. Uh, We're going to be announcing the winner um, next week, and we're going to be starting TAG again next week. But let me tell you one of my favorite statistics from TAG. You think we don't read the TAG reports? Oh, we read the TAG reports. Um, During the fall of 2016, as a youth group, we collectively completed, we did 3,276 devos together. Like, that means 3,276 times, I think we have a slide for that, Jordan. That means 3,276 times somebody from our group during the fall, somebody from our group stopped what they were doing, they opened up the Bible, they read it, and they prayed. I think that's pretty awesome. Like, I think you should give yourselves a hand for that. Okay, there, you guys are tough tonight. So 3,276 times that were spent with God in our youth group. I think that's pretty incredible. But, but, there's always a but. But, my concern for you, because I find this to be true with my life, is each of those times, because my devos counted for my tag group, right? So some of those are my devos. Each time I opened my Bible in the fall of 2016 and I read the words on the Bible, where they always like hit it out of the park devos where God spoke to me and I learned something in my life and it was great. Nah. There were some times I opened the Bible and I was reading and I didn't feel any different than before I read it. I was like, what's up with that? Like, uh, here I am telling all my, my teenagers that you need to read the Bible because it changed your life. And I open up my Bible and read it and I don't feel a whole lot different. 
Can I tell you that I believe there is a tweak we need to make because I think some of us um, and some of you are, cue the next slide, are riding the struggle bus in your Devo life. And you're trying to do the right thing. And we've told you and we've told you and we told you the most important thing you can do is spend time in this book. And you're like, well, Matt said we should do it, so I guess I'll do it. You know, he twisted my arm. He said it 50,000 times, and he's so annoying about it. I'm going to read the Bible to get him off my back. And I read the Bible, and nothing happened. So you're, you, maybe you're like me, and sometimes you're on that Devo struggle bus, and you can't seem to get off it. Maybe you are... Maybe you're a Christian. You're, you're, not, you're not a Christian. You know, you've been coming to church, but you're, you just don't consider yourself a Christian. And you see other people, and they're always saying, you know what? God said this in the Bible, and God said that in the Bible. And you're like, why should I believe you about that God said this and God said that? Because you're not, even, you're not even acting out the Bible that you claim to be authoritative. So why should I believe that the Bible is authoritative? So I, here's, here's what I believe. I believe the tweak we need to make as a youth group, and you as individuals, the tweak that we need to make in our youth group is that to have a growing relationship with God, we need to respond to God. That's the tweak I want to talk about tonight. And we get our tweak from James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to James 1. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, I'll have these verses on the screens. And and I've kind of highlighted some of the things that I've highlighted in my Bible. So if you're one of those, you know, you're one of those people that's armed with a, yeah, a holster full of highlighters or a pen to mark up your Bible, you may want to, you may want to circle or underline or highlight these words too, because these are some important words. Uh, but I'll give you another second or two to find James chapter one, um, verse twenty-two, and then um, I'll read it out loud. Just kind of follow along with me. Um, James chapter one, verse twenty-two, starting. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do it is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, I should have said it like Shia LaBeouf, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So this is a really interesting verse, and I want to take a couple minutes just to kind of look at a couple of these words before we really dive in. First, in verse 22, it says, do not merely listen to the word. Most of us, when we get done reading our Bible, we think, a bunch of these other heathen Christians haven't even read their Bible today, and I read the word today. You know, I did a good thing today. And you kind of, you know, we, we, we check that thing off our list and we, we, we talk about it in tag that we did our devos and we kind of pat ourselves on the back and we're like, you know what, I'm a pretty daggone good Christian. I did my devos. I read my Bible. I'm, you know, what's really sad is only 10, I, I'm a numbers research guy, only 10% of all Bible-believing evangelical Christians in the U.S. have read their Bible today. So one out of every 10 Christians in the U.S. have read their Bible today. So, you know, we, and we kind of know that, right? We know that the, the, the big, dirty, you know, deep, dirty, dark secret in Christianity is nobody actually reads their Bible. So when you read your Bible, you're like, I did a really good thing. We're patting ourselves on the back. But look what this says. Do not merely listen to the Word. James is saying, you know what? Yeah, you read your Bible. You know what? Well, la-di-da. You know, whoop-de-doo. Great deal. You think, you, you think you're so great? Don't just listen to the word. That's not enough. 
that's not what God has just called you to do is to just read the Bible. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You realize that when you just read the Bible, you don't respond to what God has to say, that you start deceiving yourselves when I'm not responding. You know, a lot of us can act like we're doing the right thing. You can trick your parents. You can trick me. You can trick your friends. Um, Sometimes you can even trick yourself. Have you ever found yourself doing that, tricking yourself into thinking everything's good between you and God when it's really not good with you and God, and then something happens in your life that makes you realize there's not everything good? You can even, it says, deceive yourselves into thinking, hey, I did my devos. It's all good in the hood. I'm a good Christian. I'm doing what God's called me to do. But if we don't respond to what God tells us to do and we don't make the Bible real in our lives, we've deceived ourselves. Your interpretation of what's true does not change what is truly true. So that's just kind of like a little bit of a, yeah, a little bit of a, of a introduction. But God gives us an object lesson. He gives us an object, you know, me and object lessons. I was like object lessons. God gives us an object lesson in James chapter 1, and it's the mirror. How many of y'all have a mirror in your room, like your bedroom? You got a mirror in your bedroom? How many of y'all have a mirror in your bathroom? Does anybody live in a house with no mirrors? No? Um, mirrors are important, aren't they? How many of y'all look at yourself in the mirror before you leave the house? Mostly girls. Guys are like, nah, we're good. We just put a ball cap on and just roll with it, right? But most of us look at ourselves in the mirror before we leave the house. So let me ask you a question. Let's ask the audience here. What's a mirror for? Why should you have a mirror in your house? Give me one good reason. To look at it when you brush your teeth? So you can, you have a mirror so you look at yourself while you brush your teeth. Anyone else? Why do you have a mirror? If I went home and stole all the mirrors in your house, why, what, how would you miss it? Chase. To make sure you look good enough for others to see you. You don't want to be embarrassed when you're going out. Do what? You don't need it that much? Most of us are pretty, but here, here's, here's the thing. Most of us are pretty concerned about the way we look. Um, and I, you know, I think we should be, you know. You know, some of you, if, you know, you know, if you didn't do your hair, we wouldn't want to look at you. You know, just be honest here, you know. Some of y'all don't put a little paint on the bar, and we don't want to see that. You know, we don't want to see what happens when you roll out of bed first thing in the morning. You know, and mirrors are a good thing. But, but here's, here's the thing. How ridiculous, how ridiculous would it be if you saw yourself in the mirror and realized that you had a zit the size of Mount Vesuvius on your nose? It's a zit. The older you get, the more you'll realize what they are. Um, but, <laughs> but you have a zit the size of Mount Vesuvius on your nose and you go to school without popping that thing. That wouldn't be real smart, would it? The mirror reveals things that you need to change. So these are the two purposes that I have down for mirrors. Mirrors expose things that we couldn't see otherwise. How many of you could see your eyes without a mirror? Isn't that weird? The one part of your body you can't see is your eyes, the thing that sees. 
I mean, you could look at yourself in the reflection of something, right? But you need a mirror to see things. To ex- mirrors expose things that you couldn't see otherwise. So God's Word, it exposes things in your life that you may not see otherwise. You know what? There are, there are times that I struggle with, or I don't even realize I'm struggling with it. There are times that I refuse to forgive people. But I don't realize that. I think everything's good. And then I look in the mirror of the Bible and I realize I'm not supposed to hold grudges. So just like a mirror, the Bible exposes spots in our life, blind spots in our life that need to be fixed. But also, thank, thank you to the mirror, the mirror helps us fix them, right? As I'm combing my hair or I'm running fingers through my hair, I can look at myself in the mirror and I can see what needs to be changed and keep working on my hair and I can guide my hand through the, you know, by way of the mirror until I finally get my hair looking to where I look like, like, like a Greek stallion and I look good, okay? So, so, the, so mirrors do two things. Mirrors expose things you wouldn't see otherwise and they show you how to fix them. So when you look, here's the thing. There are two things that when you don't respond to the mirror of God's word that happen. Um, one, one instance or one possibility is sometimes you can become very discouraged when you don't live out what you see in the Bible because sometimes you, don't, you fail to look in the mirror of God's Word and you fail to remember what you look like in the mirror of God's Word. And you know what the mirror of God's Word tells you? It tells you that you're a child of the King. It tells you that even though you live in a house where there's not a whole lot of money, your Heavenly Father is incredibly rich. You look in a mirror that tells you that even though everybody else says you're ugly, that you were formed in your mother's womb by the hand of God, and he made you exactly the way he wanted you to look, exactly as tall as he wanted you to be. The color hair you have, the straightness of your hair, the curliness of your hair, you guys, he made some of you, you to where you could just look at weights and pack on muscle. He made some of you that you could go on the Arnold Schwarzenegger plan and still not even get a little bump on your arm. God made you the way he wanted you to be. But you know what? You look in the Bible, you look in the mirror of God's word, and you realize that, but then you look around. You look around, and people are telling you otherwise. So the more you look at the mirror, the more you're going to remember who you are in Christ. But sometimes we get discouraged because we forget what we look like in the mirror of God's Word. We forget what's true. And have you ever been to one of those hall of mirrors? Like, or, or looked in like, like, you look at yourself in like a mirror that makes your head look like, you, you, you look like a cone head. Or you like, you know, you look at one of those mirrors that makes you look like a giant pear. You know? <laughs> you ever think about what if that's actually the accurate mirror? What if this mirror is the funny mirror and the funny mirror is the real mirror? Wouldn't that be weird? What if our entire perception of reality is wrong? But, um, but you've been looking at yourself in the funny mirror of the world, and you see yourself through the eyes of the world, not through the eyes of God. So it says if you read the word and forget to do it, you're like someone who looks in the mirror and leaves and immediately forgets what he looks like. So some of you, you, you read in the Bible, you know, you're loved by God, you're cherished by God, you were bought and paid for on the cross by Jesus, and then as soon as you leave the Bible, as soon as you close the book, you walk into the hallways of your school and you met, you're made to feel about this big because you've forgotten 
what the mirror exposed. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is you look in the mirror and you realize that everyone has sinned. You realize that there are things in your life that you need to confess, but you shut the book, you don't confess them, and you walk around acting like there ain't nothing wrong with you. Have you ever had something obviously wrong with you and you don't realize it until somebody like awkwardly tells you? Have you ever like walked out of the school bathroom and there's like this big like long stream of TP attached to your leg and you're just like walk you you got like the strut going on like down the hallway like you're hot stuff you know and you don't realize there's like a train of TP going behind you you know until somebody's like hey you know you should really look behind you. you're like oh no you know you know or, or you, your hair is like totally off but you think it's on and you're just like you know when we neglect to remember what the Bible tells us, and we neglect to live out what the Bible tells us, it makes us unaware of some big blind spots in our life. So it's not enough just to look in the mirror. What you do in response to what you see in the mirror is what's important. So God is requiring two things from us. He's requiring two things from us, and we see this in James. The first is that we look at the book. We've emphasized this a lot, I know, but that we look at the book. God, that's the next slide, Jordan. God wants us to look at the book. Really cool picture. I can't wait to talk about this. Because as you read this, um, in, in, in verse 25, it says, Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. The words of God are incredibly important. They're worth giving a second look to. They're worth looking intently at. If you have your Bible open to James, what you'll realize is this is not the first time James has been talking about the Word. If you look back at to verse 18, it says, He, meaning God, chose to give us birth through the Word of truth that we might be the first fruits of all things created. So we're literally, when you become a Christian, I hope you realize this, you are born again. You've probably heard that expression, I'm a born again Christian. It literally means your old life was born put to death, and you were reborn as a new person who could be responsive to God and who could have a relationship with God. And it says here that you were, he gave us birth through the word of truth, through the gospel. You didn't receive a new life. You didn't receive your forgiveness of sins. You weren't saved because somebody dipped you in the waters of the church baptistry. You weren't saved because you came to church for the thousandth time. And when you came to church for the thousandth time, they had this great, like, party. Like, you're the thousandth customer. Like, oh, this is the thousandth time you're here. Congratulations, you're saved. You were saved because there was a point in time in your life where somebody spoke or you read the truth. You, read, you heard the gospel, and it rocked your world, and you believed in Christ. So you were born You were born through the word of truth in verse 18. If you go down to verse um, 21, it says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the the word planted in you, which you can save you. Other versions say, accept the word which has been implanted in you. Maybe you didn't realize this or not, but I got an implant. I got the word of God implanted in my life. And so do you if you, believe, if you believe God. You have the Holy Spirit inside you that guides you, and it, it's just like, it's, it's like a magnet. You know, the longer you spend away from the Word, you're like, man, I really need to read the Word. Man, I really need to read the Word. Man, I really need to read the Word. It's always pulling you back to this gospel truth. So it's talking about the Word of truth, the Word. And then verse 22, do not, do not merely listen to the Word 
verse 23, anyone who does not listen to the word but doesn't do what it says. And then in verse 23, it says, he who looks intently into this perfect law or into this word. So this is what we're talking about. It's the thing that you were saved from and this thing that God continues to save you and make make you more like him. This word, we're supposed to look at it and we don't just glance at it, close it, say, I did my deed. It says to look intently. You know me in Greek, I always mispronounce it, but hopefully there's no Greek scholars in here that are going to correct me. But this word that's for, for looking intently, the word is parakito, and it means to stoop over something and look into it carefully. So I've got this picture of this guy who is literally, I got to read the article on it, he's, stand, he's a scientist, he's a research scientist, he's standing over top of an active volcano. He's standing over the crater, and there's all this hot lava and magma or whatever you call it, the hot stuff, the hot orange stuff. He's staring and staring into it. Can you imagine? I don't know if I would be so scared that I would immediately turn and run away or if I would be so, like, in awe, and it looks like he is, I would just stare and watch this lava churning and churning and churning. But you can see he's, like, mesmerized. Wouldn't you be, too? It says that when we look into the Word, that we should look intently. It's like, it's like we're, for the first time, standing over top of this volcano of God's Word, and we're looking at it, and it's the most incredible thing we've ever seen, so we keep staring intently into it, and we keep seeing new things, and we keep being amazed, and we keep being wowed. So God wants us to look intently. He wants us to look intently. So don't cut your Bible reading short. You'll always learn something new. Don't get bored with it. The more you peer into that uh, volcano of the gospel, the more God's going to change you. So God wants you to look intently. But then it says, look intently into the perfect law. This mirror of God's word, you can rely on it. You know, you're going to read articles on the news that are, uh, you're going to read articles online that are fake. Somebody's going to retweet something on Twitter, and it's going to be 100% made up. We have a hard time trusting people anymore, I think, because everybody's always got some angle and everybody's always lying to us. When you read the words of God, he's never going to lie. It's the only perfect law. And perfect doesn't always mean pretty, by the way. You know, there's some verses that we, you know, as as soon as we read them, they're just so beautiful that you snap, got to take a picture and put it on Instagram because it's just so beautiful. And you've got all the the colored pencils and you you, you doctored up the, you know, you doctored up the, the verse to make it look even prettier with your highlighting and your circling and your underlining. And that's pretty. But what about the verse that said Judas hung himself? I ain't seen anybody put that on Instagram, right? Because God's word, it's not always pretty, but it's always true. It's always true. You're never, you're never going to find anything more true than God's word. So when you're struggling and when you're thinking, what should I do? Look into God's Word. God wants you to look into the book. He wants you to look intently into that perfect law because you don't want to know why. The law gives freedom. God's Word gives freedom. That was how you got your freedom. That was how you became saved. It was because you looked at the book and you read the gospel and you're like, wow, I was, I'm in bondage to sin. But the moment you trusted in God, all of a sudden those chains fell off your arms and you were finally able to choose to do what's right and God put his Holy Spirit in you. So you had the freedom to follow God and you had the freedom to do what's right and live the life God wanted you to live. All of a sudden you became free. It's God's word that frees you. It's really, you know, I'm going to start spouting off numbers again because I love researching in numbers. Um, Christian rehab clinics 
are two times more effective than secular rehab clinics for drug addicts. Why do you think that is? Because they don't just, and there's definitely a a medicinal part of it and 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 a scientific part of it to work out and a psychological part of it, but you know what? They give people the perfect word that gives freedom. That gives freedom. Freedom from addiction, freedom from peer pressure, freedom from enslavement, Freedom from looking at yourself the wrong way, the way the world wants you to look at yourself. You get to see yourself as a child of the king. It gives you freedom. God wants you to look at the book. But here's the second part. Here's our tweak. God wants you to live out the book. God wants you to live out the book. Um, you know me and Gaines. Me and Musgrave. We're all about them gains, about them gains. So um, here's one thing I've learned. I never get any gains. I never have any changes to my physique by studying books on weightlifting, do I? How do you change your physique? You get up, you act like Rocky, and you crack four eggs and put them in a cup and you drink them. You go to the gym, you get down on that deadlift bar, you load it down with weight, and you go, Boom! Boom! Right? And you crank out those reps, and you do it day after day after day, and you eat right, and you sleep right, and your body starts to change, not because you researched, but because you did it. I feel like Shia LaBeouf again, because you did it. You did it. Now, it's important to research, isn't it? A lot of people have hurt themselves really bad lifting weights. I know a lot of guys at the gym, I don't see them for like three months. And they finally come back, they're like, where you been, man? He's like, oh, man, I hurt my back doing a deadlift or doing a, doing a squat because they didn't research. So I'm not saying you shouldn't read the Bible. What I'm saying is it's not enough. What James is saying is it's not enough. You've got you to respond to it. Look at the words here. It says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, which we just talked about, it says, and continues in it. Here's another Greek word, fun. Continues comes from the Greek word parameno, which means to continue always near, remain beside, or remain alive in. The words of the Bible weren't meant for us to be read, the book to be closed, and us to go on with our life. The Bible is meant to be sticky. The words of the Bible were meant to be sticky, and they were meant to go with us wherever we go and to not forget about it. We were meant to continue into the words that we read. The Bible was meant to change your life, not to just change your mind, but to change your life and to change, to change the way you live. So we should continue in it. The Bible's meant to be sticky. So it says continue in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but say it. Doing it. Scream it. Okay. Oh, you got, I'm trying to wake you guys up. Okay, there we go. Look to the person next to you and say, do it. Now look to the person on the other side and say, do it. Okay. All right. Don't tackle the other person. Just talk to them. Okay. Now that I've got your attention again, now that i got your attention again, it says, but doing it, living the Bible, living the Bible means matching your reality and the way you live to God's truth. That's what it means. That's what it means. How much of the Bible are you doing? 
You know, you can deceive yourself, but the mirror don't lie. You know, you can act like you didn't put on those 10 pounds, but the mirror don't lie. You can act like you're having a good hair day, but the mirror don't lie. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Right. So how much of the Bible are you doing? I thought about a couple areas that, that, that we, we sometimes maybe struggle in. The Bible says, be holy. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. So what happens when you put your dating life in the mirror of God's word that says, be holy? What happens when you put the things you view on the Internet in front of the mirror that says, be holy? What do you need to change? You know what else it says? It says that we have been adopted into the family of God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, in the body of Christ. We're Bix and Six in the BOC. We're, <laughs> we're brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ in the body of Christ. I think I could turn that into a rap. My Bix and Six in the BOC. Anyway, um, the Bible says that we're part of the family of God. So, we're supposed to show family, familial, you know, family, love to each other. So look at your life in the mirror. How well are you doing at loving people in the body of Christ like they're your family? What changes need to be made? What tweaks need to be made? We're supposed to forgive. What happens when you put your grudge in the mirror of God's word? What's God's word leading you to do? It says, that gossip separates the closest of friends. So what happens when you put your conversation in the mirror of God's word? What tweaks do you need to make? We could go on and on and on. What about the way that you view yourself and the way you let others define you versus the definition that God gives you in the Bible? How does that stack up? What changes do you need to make? So there are some changes we need to make. But here's, here's maybe the encouraging thing in this. Encouraging thing going into 2017. I don't know anyone that says, man, I want, I want 2017 to be the worst year of my life, right? We want 2017 to be best. We want it to be better than 2016, that's for sure. I think a lot of us, for some reason, everybody is down in 2016. But you want to have a good life, look at the end. Look at the promise that God gives us about when we live out God's word. It says, they will be blessed in what they do. You will receive the blessing of following God. And there's something incredible. You ha you're the happiest. You know, I happy isn't always the best word, but I'm going to use it. You are the happiest when your life is the same as God's will for your life. And you're doing what God tells you to do. You need to live out the book. Your relationship with God. To have a relationship with God, you must respond to God. It's not just good enough to read the Bible. You need to live the Bible. So I want to give you um, four practical ways um, that you can do that. Um, Jordan, I think it's the next slide. Or there, have a relationship with God. You must respond to God. Um, but I want to give you four practical ways. These are just very like, just write them down, take them home. I'm not really going to explain them. Excuse me, five practical ways. I, I'm not going to explain them necessarily. But first thing is, read the Bible like it's written to you because it is. It's easy for us to just read this Bible and, and think of it as rules or think of it as written to the church at Corinth or written to the church in Rome. But the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God, that's all of you, because back then they just yet generally used masculine um, pronouns, so that means the men, so that the men and women of God can be perfect and equipped for all good works. So the Bible was written to you. Maybe it's time you started reading like it. Sometimes I just put Matt in the Bible. 
Like, you can do that. Don't put me in the Bible. Put you in the Bible. I'll read it. Yeah, Matt, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive Matt. Do what it says. When Matt listens to the word but doesn't do it, he's like someone who looks in the mirror and after looking at it forgets what he is and goes away. But when Matt looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, Matt will be blessed in what he does. Read the Bible like it's written to you because it is. The Bible's written to you. When we start reading it as God's letter to you, you start realizing God doesn't just want me to read it. He wants me to live it. The next thing, let the Bible change who you are. It'd be really fun to do, I want to do this sometime, do a study of all the lets in the Bible. You know, we get this idea that God is just this like, yeah, God made us this wind-up toy and he just let us go. But yeah, God actually wants us to respond to him. And there's all these things that God has us to do and he tells us, let, yeah, let me do this or let do this or let this happen in your life. Let the Bible change who you are. It takes over two weeks for, they say, for your glass, for your eyes to adjust to new glasses. Have you ever got a new thing of contacts or new glasses, and it's a different prescription, and your eyes are, like, adjusting? It takes two weeks for that to happen. So read the Bible, and even if, if you don't change the day you read the Bible, read it again, and read it again, and read it again. And it's really awesome to watch. The more you read the Bible, I see it happen, happen in you. Like, I've seen some of you over the course of 2016, you just started faithfully reading the Bible, and it didn't happen right away, but I kept, I saw change after change after change in your life. Let the Bible change who you are. Let the Bible awaken your affections. We get this idea that we have to study the Bible, and you should study the Bible. You also remember, God wrote this to you. This is God's letter to you. So there are some times when you read these words, and you're like, wow, God wrote that to me? God told Matt McClay that he would never leave me nor forsake me, wow, we should be emotional about the Bible. We shouldn't let emotions drive our Bible study, but we should be emotional. We should get excited about what God has to say to us. The fourth two M words, meditate and memorize. And maybe add a third one, marinade. Let it soak in. Let it soak in. Let it sink deep. Find ways to physically remind yourself throughout the day what you learned, what you read. Here's some ideas that I use. Lock screen on my phone. If you look at my phone, I think I still have a verse on it that I wanted to remember. So I make it the lock screen on my phone. So every time I hit my phone, because I can never get the thumb thing right, um, every time I try to open my phone, I see that verse. Here's another thing to try. I, I do these Siri reminders. Yeah, sometimes I do really funny ones. I'm like, Siri, remind myself at 2 o'clock just to smack myself in the face. And she'll remind me at 2 o'clock to smack myself in the face. But there are sometimes like, I'll say, Siri, remind me to reread what I read this morning in the Bible at 2 o'clock. And she'll be like, at 2 o'clock, she'll be like, Matt, it's time to reread this. So, Siri reminders, post-it notes if you're old school. Put a post-it note on your forehead if you need to. Here's a cool idea. Put a post-it note on your mirror with the Bible verse you read. These are just ideas, okay? These are ideas. Do something physical to remind you of what God said to you. Here's the, here's, the, um, here's the fifth one, and this is the one. Don't take this literally. Um, have a heart transplant. Have a heart transplant. In, in Corinthians, it says, the natural man does not respond to the things of God. If you have not put your faith in Christ, if you're not saved, and you try to obey the Bible, I'll just promise you right now, you're going to fail. It's not because I'm better and you're not. It's because... There's someone living inside me that you don't have. And I have a new life. And you're still living in your old life. And I want to invite you to do what I did 
and ask God to give you a new life and a new heart. Because what happens when you put your faith in Jesus, maybe this is why you can't, re- you can't live the Bible out. You've gone to church your whole life, but you've never put your faith in Jesus. Read what God promised Christians in Ezekiel. Ezekiel. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little redneck sometimes. In Ezekiel, he said, I will give you a new heart and put it, and this is Ezekiel 36, by the way, 25 through 26. It's in the notes on the app. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, you know, that heart that never wants to do anything for God, and give you a heart of flesh, a tender heart. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Do you understand how you, how you obey God? You rely on the spirit. He says, I'll put my spirit in you to move you and follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Maybe the reason that you haven't seen a change, and I, I don't, I don't want to cause you to doubt, but I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Maybe the reason you can't keep the Bible real in your life is because God's not real in your life. Maybe what you need to do is you need to settle it. And you say, God, I've been going to church my whole life, and I've been confused here and confused there. But tonight is the night I put my 100% trust and faith in you. And I believe you will put your Holy Spirit inside me and give me a new heart, a responsive heart, so that I can follow you. If you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never received that new life, I would invite you to do that tonight. You'll never be able to follow Christ. You'll never be able to live this wonderful new life without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit in your life. So maybe that's what you, what you need to do tonight. So I, we're actually four minutes early, um, which is pretty, it's, it's like, it's a miracle, right? Um, but I planned it out. Um, because here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to give you just a couple minutes. We don't do this often. But this is 2017. It's a new year. I want to give you a couple minutes to just stop and not talk to the person next to you, but to stop and to focus your mind and talk to God. Maybe you need to ask God to help you to live out. There's been a, there's been a part in your life, you've looked in the mirror, and there's a part of your life that you're not following God. Maybe you need to give that part of your life to God tonight. Maybe you've never given your life to God and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Make tonight, Stonewall, will you just stop with the watch for a minute? Thank you. It's okay. Um, Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus and tonight is the night you can do that and have it settled. So this, for some of you, is going to be awkward. For some of you, it's going to be like the greatest minute of your life because you never have silence in your life. But I want to give us a minute. And if you have something you need to say to God, I want you to just quietly, in your heart, say it to God, and then I'll pray to close this out, okay? So the minute begins right now.
Father, if having a relationship with you means that I need to respond to you, Father, I confess tonight that there have been times that I have been totally unresponsive and I've just, out of sheer, um, out of a sheer rut, just read my Bible and closed the Bible. But Father, this year, I'm done just reading it. I want to do it. Father, I pray that's the, the heartbeat of every team in our youth group. That they just don't want to be hearers of the word, but they want to be doers of the word. That when the Bible tells us that we need to love the people that are in our church family and in our youth group, that we love them. That when the Bible tells us that there are people that need the gospel and we're the ones that are supposed to go give them the gospel, that we'll obey you and go give them the gospel. And when the Bible tells us that we need to live a life that's holy and acceptable and pleasing to you, that we'll live a life that's pleasing to you and we'll be obedient. Father, I'm tired of just pretending. I'm tired of just reading and ignoring. I want my life to be in your footsteps, following you. And I want that for everyone in the room tonight. Father, I pray if there's someone here that's struggled and struggled and struggled, and tonight they realize the reason they're struggling and struggling and struggling is because they've never received that new life that you promise. That tonight will be the night they receive that. I pray that we will rededicate our hearts to you. And most importantly, that we'll rededicate our lives to you, our actions, our Thursday mornings and our Friday nights and our Saturday afternoons. That every part of our life will be lived in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.